You're listening to the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. All right, let's get to it. Welcome to another edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. CJ Palmasano here. I'm your host. And I'm being joined for a record third time, the Man of Steel, Mike Verna. What's going on, Mike? Good to good to talk with you again, buddy. Third time is a charm, and it's, as always, a pleasure to be here. Uh, thanks for having me again, CJ. I always have a good time talking with you. Always have a good time with these conversations. Likewise, man. So um, we saw each other a while back, actually meeting face-to-face for the first time back at the, uh, the that Invictus Pro Wrestling show. When was that? I think that was like May or may i think or june i think it was i think it was june if i'm not mistaken because i recall italy playing austria that day in the round of 16 of the euro cup me and my opponent ironically enough are big italian soccer fans so we were watching it backstage um during that day right before we went out so i i definitely was in june if i'm not mistaken Okay, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, that, <laughs> <laughs> and that was a fun show there. Uh, obviously, you've had uh, a lot going on since the past time. Uh, last time we, you've, I've had you here, uh, last time we spoke was um, on this podcast was, I think, November of last year. So it's obviously a lot has changed for you. Um, first and foremost, uh, the most uh, talk about the most recent things that happened. Um, you posted something on Twitter a little while ago that you um, you were in the hospital, but thank God you are okay. Um, just how you feeling after everything that happened? Yeah, I mean, I definitely had a scare, and thank you for your words, CJ. I appreciate that. Um, it was uh, it was an interesting thing. So I for the past like year and a half or so, I've had this situation where I thought I was just eating too quick, and I would have these episodes where I would never choke. So I want to make that clear. Everyone who's asking me, like, oh, you're choking on your food? I was like. I never choke. I never had a situation where I was gasping for air. I couldn't breathe. What it would do is the food would get lodged in my esophagus. And I would need to either basically chug it down with water or, not to be graphic, kind of spit it back up. Um, any one of those two would usually fix the problem. I'd feel good. I'd go about my day. This particular time, I had another situation where I was like, all right, back to the old toilet bowl. Uh, let me try to get it down. Um, and it wasn't going down. And it was a piece of sushi, ironically enough, which is pretty easy to eat in the grand scheme of things. Um, And it wasn't going down. So I started chugging my regular routine, and still it just wasn't going down. And it almost felt like um, a a pipe was bursting. Like there was so much pressure from water that a pipe would burst. That was basically the situation that happened with my esophagus, is I was trying to push it down so hard that the food was so stuck in there that the pressure tore my esophagus. So when that happened... Yeah, so when that happened, I felt the pain. So I've never had this. All the time I've dealt with this situation, I've never had this pain. I said, holy shit, I'm either having a heart attack or something inside is just blown up. So for about 15 minutes, I was in excruciating pain. I'd say about out of of 10, I was at a 15. I got to the point where I I told my girlfriend, who's a nurse, I said, all right, we got to go to the ER because I don't know what the hell is going on right here. I was on my hands and knees. I I didn't know what, what it was. I got to the, the uh, right before the emergency room, I told her, I said, let me just try to get out one more time. I got I tried getting a little bit of liquid out, and, and there was some blood in there. Not a lot, but there was some blood. So that was my, like, totally okay, time to go to the emergency room, let's get moving. Got in the car, when I was able to get that a little bit of blood out, the pressure kind of alleviated a little bit. I didn't feel as much pain, but I still felt that discomfort. 
Now I'm sitting in the ER and the, the doctors were pretty much telling me what I, what I'm used to, which was, you know, you probably have food lodged in. That's why you had that discomfort. And we're going to give you some medicine to help you pass that, that food. So they gave me something that through an IV, which would basically open up my esophagus muscles to let the food, the food side down, uh, slide down. But a side effect of that medication was it would make you incredibly nauseous and nine times out of 10, the patient throws up. So I had a bag next to me and I was like, all right, you know, if I throw up, I don't want to throw up all over the emergency room. So whatever. So about 30 seconds into the IV, I started throwing up. However, the, the alarming situation that happened was I threw up a bag full of blood. Um, mm. I'm talking about a horror movie scene. So right then and there, it went from um, a non-serious situation to, all right, we got to move him to the ICU. We got to get him a CAT scan. We got to do every x-ray possible because this is clearly not normal. So I went through all that, and the, the CAT scan, ironically, still showed that I had um, something lodged in. But ironically enough, it wasn't food. It was blood clots. Um, so when they went in with the scope, I had a lot of internal bleeding. I had several blood clots, uh, clots and obviously I tore my esophagus. So they went in there, and they basically repaired me up. Uh, and, um, non-invasive, thank God. That's why I was able to get in the ring so quick. Um, but they went in, they patched up the two tears that were there. They drained out all the excess blood. The blood clots were removed and I was good as new, but you know, the scary thing about it was, is, you know, I'm pretty stubborn. Like most people I'm sure would say, Oh, it's nothing. It'll pass. If I didn't go to the emergency room. I would have bled out overnight and died. So that was the, that was the biggest alarming thing about it. You know, the surgery aspect of it was the easy part. It was, if I didn't go for the surgery, that's where we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Um, but as we said, you know, everything worked out. Thank God. I had about, uh, it happened Sunday night. I had surgery early Monday morning. I had a day to recover uh, Tuesday. And, and ironically enough, I was cleared by the doctors Wednesday to do, to do uh, AEW. And, you know, they hit the ring this weekend, which is a good thing. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to, you know, jump head into it and kind of do, you know, the matches that I'm used to having. But the fact that I can go out there and work, um, you know, and kind of keep everything going, especially now that, like we said, in November, nothing was going on. Now everything's going on. So, you know, it worked out in my favor, thank God. You know, I lived to see another day. I cheated death a little bit. And uh, moral of the story is that Superman can't really die. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> um, but, yeah, man, I, I'm I'm glad everything is okay. That That is completely shocking. I know you wrote that on Twitter saying, you know, that you might not be here writing this. Hearing that, I thank God you are okay, and we are here to, to talk and catch up. Um, just, yeah. You're in indest- man of steel, indestructible. <laughs> it's tough. Thank you, CJ. I appreciate that. That's good, man. But now we have the the way we talk about all the really positive things that have been going on the past several months. Um, even um, I think it was uh, maybe a month after we spoke, you had posted that you were you went down to Jacksonville and you had your first couple uh, first. I can't remember how many appearances you had in dark uh, towards the tail end of 2020 and maybe in 2021. You know, I remember seeing that on Twitter. I'm like, oh my god! I remember texting you, like, or messaging you, like, dude, this is fucking great. Um, and obviously, yeah, you were at uh, the Brentshaw Center just the other night, uh, at the time of this recording, and you faced off against Orange Cassidy. So, tell us a little bit about how this whole thing has kind of come about. You've been um, had some sort of working relationship with AEW. How have the experiences been? And how has just the whole vibe been, especially with the the crazy show we had the other night? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, my, my relationship with AEW kind of tracks back to like uh, January, I believe, of 2017 or 18. It was the year it was the year that they were debuting. So they started in October of whatever year it was. I'm going to say 2018. Uh, forgive me if I'm wrong. 
uh, maybe 2019. But I had worked with Northeast Wrestling, which is um, one of my home companies, which is run by Mike Lombardi, who he basically has one of the highest reputations in all of pro wrestling, not even on the independent level. He used to work very closely with Dusty Rhodes, which led to a good relationship with Cody and Dustin and everyone from AEW, Ring of Honor, um, whatever you know, road that the whatever road the roads were. So I worked a spot with JT Dunn, a good friend of mine, um, with uh, Cody and Hangman back in January of that year. We had wrestled Kazarian and Daniels in a tag match, and it led into a all elite run-in um, with Cody and Hangman. Um, and ever since then, you know, we got a chance of kind of getting to know Cody. And just, you know, we, we became one of those guys that were like, all right, look, these guys are up and coming. Um, you know, we kind of have our guys right now, but these are the guys that we want to eventually kind of uh, implement into our plans. So we ended up doing from that um, the second, the, the, the second and third, first, the first, the second, third, and third complete episodes of Dynamite, which were in Boston and Philly of, of that year. I think, I guess like I said, maybe October 2019. Um, we did. Me and JT went down. This was before Dark was a thing or Elevation or Rampage or anything. So we were just there as invited guests. And you know, Cody basically uh, reiterated. He said, look, you guys are part of our circle. Um, we'd like you to be here. We, I want to be there. There's no doubt about it. And when things start working out, when things start getting more concrete as to what AEW is going to be, you'll always be kept into the loop. Um, so fast forward back into uh, December. And I think my run there, to answer your question, was about a six-week run. Um, just about until the end of when they stopped doing tapings in Jacksonville. Um, so obviously during the pandemic, Tony Khan did something great for a lot of the independent guys, which was, you know, bring them down to work AEW, um, get paid. You know, we weren't working shows, so if we don't work shows, we don't get paid. So Tony made sure that, you know, guys that he had relationships with or guys that he liked, were going to get opportunities down in Jacksonville to work where there was no work. So we did those loops and, you know, you just, you just, first of all, you know, I, I got to give, Really, a lot of respect to Tony Khan as a businessman, as a boss. Um, he's, I can't put into words the type of guy he is. He is uh, as elite, no pun intended, as elite could be when it comes to ownership. Um, Booker, uh, he just gets it. You know, a lot of people criticize him for, for his moves and, you know, uh, his booking and his signings, but the guy knows what he's doing and he's doing it successfully. So kudos to Tony on that and kudos for giving a lot of guys like myself opportunities. Um, and that's really where it started. So that six week run, you know, I've always, I was always given a, a good match by uh, the company too. I think in reality, um, I think I only really, really, I hate to use the word job or squash, but I really only got squashed once, um, in a match that I was there. And that was to help them progress a storyline. And at the end of the day, when you're an unsigned talent and you're there as a, as a guest, you're going to make sure their guys look good no matter what. So I don't really care about what happened in that match, but they gave me every single match I had was a match that I was able to kind of showcase my ability. Um, and you don't really get that as, a, as an enhancement guy or as an unsigned guy. Usually you go in there uh, and you get, you know, beaten a couple of minutes and then that's it, a couple of seconds. And granted, it's not, you know, I don't get a match like that every single time. But for the most part, that's what an enhancement talent is. And, and with that run in, uh, in Jacksonville, they gave me a lot to show myself and it kind of built a reputation that I had to kind of further open the doors uh, in the future. Um, to continue to work with them. So I pretty much right now have a, um, a per-appearance, non-exclusive agreement with them where there's no contract signed or anything like that, but it's more like now that we're not in Jacksonville anymore, whenever we're in the area that you can make it to, you'll be invited or you'll be on the show, which is, which is a cool thing. It's a cool thing to have, and I really enjoy it because you know a lot of the things that I have going on outside the ring 
this kind of uh, situation that I have with AEW actually makes makes it perfect for me. Um, because a lot of people, like I've told you in the past, when they get into wrestling, they don't really get involved into their post-ring career while their in-ring career is still going on. That's happened for me, and that kind of happened unexpectedly, and I'm not, I'm not upset about it. I love the fact that I'm able to do a lot of these things and kind of have the freedom to do a lot of these things. And AEW is very good with allowing their talent to do certain things if the opportunity presents itself. But for the sake of my peace of mind, I like the idea of being able to kind of just do whatever I want um, and be allowed to do those things while still having a great relationship with a company like AEW. Um, so that's where we are right now. I mean, I had a great time yesterday. Um, unfortunately, the match couldn't be long because I was not medically cleared to have a full match, but I was cleared to perform. Um, and that's all that matters. So they didn't do anything bad by putting me in the ring. But the smart move was to not do anything that would be a little bit over the top uh, because who knows what could have happened. I mean, I felt good after the match, but, you know, three days after having surgery, probably not the smartest thing to go out there and have a, a massive spot fest and, uh, you know, tear the house down. But being in that Prudential Center last night with 16,000 people, um, with a good friend of mine in Orange Cassidy, um, I really can't ask for anything else. Um, I know that the future is bright. I know that there's going to be a lot of other opportunities out there to kind of have a moment where maybe my shoulders aren't pinned to the mat or whatever it may be. But, I mean, I love I love every opportunity I get with them. i got to be honest with you. Every single opportunity I get to work with AEW makes me really um, appreciate wrestling, and it also makes me love wrestling again. You know, sometimes the flame flickers out, especially during the pandemic. When you're not doing it, you kind of think, okay, what else can I do? Maybe I don't want to return to wrestling. Then you go and wrestle in front of 16,000 people, and you say, yeah, this is pretty good, pretty cool. That's great, man. That's um, glad to hear that, you know, everybody's taken care of. Because I, I heard, like, a lot of stories about, you know, uh, that dark taping for growing so long and people just on Twitter and people from AEW are saying, like, it's because Tony wants to make sure everybody is paid, everyone's taken care of. That's great to hear that all the things we hear about Tony Khan, like us as fans, that he really is a cool, genuine guy. Even when he came out to the crowd, because I was there at the show myself, um, when he came out and spoke to the crowd, he just he just felt like really passionate and really happy that rest that wrestling's in a big boom period again. Um, yeah, and that's really really good to see, you know. Um, and I figured that's kind of the case. I was with when you had your match with Cassidy that it was short. I'm like probably because of the surgery again, not knowing the details and everything, but that's good to know. Um, so no, and, oh, and that's ahead. just a touch. Tony, again, you, you really are spot on, and I'm happy that you said that as, as a fan, as a podcaster, someone who's on the outside looking in. You know, the things that you read about this man is, is the truth. Like, he really he doesn't need to be in wrestling. He doesn't, him alone, forget about his dad. He is one of the richest men in the world by himself. He doesn't need to be in wrestling. You know, it's, it's one of those things that he did it because he loved it. He runs two successful sports teams, sports franchises. He has his other business endeavors. He's in wrestling because he loves it. And if you're that rich of a man and that successful a man and you're not doing something that you love, you don't need the headache. So the passion that you hear from Tony, that's so genuine to the point that I wish that I can I can call it a work. I wish I can call it part of a storyline. I mean, the guy just, he likes wrestling, he loves wrestling, and he gets wrestling. And it's, it really, you know, for the fans that are heavily who heavily criticize AEW, and it goes the same with the fans that criticize NXT and WWE, like, he got pretty good leadership here right now. You know, say what you want to say about Vince, say what you want to say about Triple H, say what you want to say about Tony Khan. If you're a wrestling fan, we're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. You're going to enjoy yourself for a long time. Absolutely. And, and I think a thing to to counteract what AEW is doing is just, you know, this past Monday, you know, Big E just won the WWE title. And 
I see that. I'm like, yeah, like you guys have a great roster too. You, you, competition brings out the best in everybody, regardless of however long that was planned. That was a genuine great moment. And now we as fans, just like we have so much to take in. You know, we love Big E and we love AEW. And we love just wrestling being positive again. And yourself working so much, you know, you've had a lot of of uh, stuff going on. In fact, Cassidy's not even the only AEW guy you recently worked. I know a little while ago you worked uh, with Eddie Kingston. How, uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so that kind of goes back to my uh, Northeast Wrestling comment that I mentioned earlier about how um, how closely NEW works with AEW. So NEW uh, has a show every year um, called um, Resolution, which their uh, WrestleFest rather, which is their Basically, their their big uh, you know their big show of the year. That's their WrestleMania. That's their their sell all. That's the way that they do it. So we usually sell out that Poughkeepsie Center. You know, hands down, there was like five thousand, six thousand people there. Um, passed the COVID rules, which was great, and uh, we were out there just kind of doing our thing. And, and and Eddie's someone I worked a long time ago. I worked with him in Chikara. I worked for I worked with him in a company called Fiber Wrestling. So I had a real good relationship with Eddie, and, and, and we were both from New York, so we kind of came up together. He's, he's older than me, but as I worked up the ranks, Eddie Kingston was always a top guy that I needed to kind of you know, either get in the ring with or, or get to know, and I'm happy that I was able to get to know him. But that was the first ever fruit, uh, one-on-one match we had. So we had that in the Poughkeepsie Center, and we just messed off the bat. You know, I knew that this is the type of way Eddie works, this is the type of way I like to work, and we kind of made that match work you know, so great where – you know, in such a packed show where there's so many good matches and high-profile talent on there, when you hear that you're late in the card and you're able to kind of get the fans out of their out of their chairs and on their feet still, that means you're putting on a good show. And we were able to do that that night. And the best thing about that for me is in the summer, every year, I tend to take a very light schedule. A, one, I want to rest my body, even though we came off the pandemic. And B, it's the summer. I don't really want to be on the road 24-7. I want to enjoy, you know, my downtime. So when I come back and I get a chance to kind of wrestle on shows like these in the summer, that's it's the best thing I can ask for. It really is. And the next day we actually followed up with uh, with um, Six Flags Great Adventure in their arena, which holds another freaking five thousand people. So we had two back to back shows, two really high profile shows, and 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 that's what it's all about. And it's good for me because the more and more I work with companies that have relationships with AEW and and even Ring of Honor Impact, you know, it just keeps getting me as an independent guy in the ring with these top guys where it's like, I'm building my own reputation where I come to the point where, you know, these bosses who know me already, now they can turn around and be like, Oh, Vernon just worked with Eddie. All right, let's bring him in for dark. Let him work him on, on, on dynamite. Let him, um, let him work on dynamite real quick so they can have a good match. Get Eddie over, progress the storyline and, and Vernon gets more TV reps. It's just any scenario can come from it. Or they could turn around and say, Hey, Vernon's from New York. Eddie's from New York. They work together. They look pretty good together. Let's make him a team. You know, anything can happen. And that's really the fun thing about it. That's good. Now, a lot has changed in AEW in, in the past number of months. You know, a lot of different guys and girls coming in. Um, how was the vibe this time with uh, being backstage with the, the whole new change? And I guess I think you probably said when you were recording the morale being a lot higher with everyone being happy with how wrestling going. How was everything uh, from a backstage vibe? Everybody chilling everything? That's actually a great question because when we were in Jacksonville, the vibe was so much different because there was no fans for the most part. The wrestlers were at ringside. Um, there was no pressure. The nights were long, yes, but it was more of a grind. When you get to TV yesterday, it had more of your traditional um, TV taping wrestling event where things were just a little bit more um, hectic, but not hectic to the point where 
you know, everyone's going crazy or whatnot, but it, it's it's just a little bit more fast-paced. You know you have to be live at 8. You can't really, you know, dick around, for lack of a better word. Um, but in regards to just the environment, the environment is second to none. Um, I don't want to go on, on the record and just talk about anyone else, but if you talk to any other wrestler and they tell you any kind of experience for other companies about when you're unsigned and you go, sometimes you're not, it's not that you're not treated right, you're just not treated as if you're there. AEW, you're treated like you're there. You're treated like you're an individual. You're an invite. You're here for a reason. Um, and that was the same vibe I got last night. Um, the interesting thing is, though, when I was there in, in, Jack, in, in the winter, uh, there was a lot of different people there. Now you show up and you see some more high-profile guys and you turn around and say, okay, this is a little bit different. But, again, it's the same vibe. These guys are all here because they love wrestling. If they love WWE for AEW, it's because they love wrestling. You know, that, that's what it comes down to. So if they're around an environment where wrestling's booming and they could really enjoy the product, they're going to be happy. It's when you go to a, an event and the people are jaded or bitter or they're not happy, that's when you have the negative vibes backstage. And that goes on an independent level, too. Trust me, I've been in plenty of locker rooms with guys that have been in the business for 30 years and they never made it and they're still doing it and they're still miserable. And it just brings your vibe down. And that's a much smaller stage. When you go to a big stage like that and you just know that everyone's happy, you know, it's, it's good. The interesting thing, if you want me to be a little controversial, because I seem to be very white meat baby face most of the time, I am interested <laughs> to see the, the balance of uh, the younger guys with the, the, I guess, the more iconic guys. The blend of that will be interesting. I think what they did with Darby and Punk off the bat was very cool. I think what they're doing with Punk and Hobbs is very cool, where it's like, okay, yeah, we brought in these big guys, but we're not just going to give you Punk versus Brian on the first night or Adam Cole versus Punk on the first night, and, and you know, the, the list goes on. So there is a little bit of a good, uh, cohesive unit with the younger guys and the more established guys, but it is at the same time, I'm sure, I'm sure, and this isn't me saying anyone said this, but I'm sure that there are some, some people that are like, oh, man, they might have just took my spot. That's just how wrestling is. But I think, you know, with the three, honestly, the four shows, Dark, Rampage, Elevation, Dynamite, there's a lot of talent, but there's enough to get guys over in one way or another. In, in, in an era where streaming is so accessible and binge-watching wrestling is so accessible, you can get over on YouTube. Just because it's not national TV doesn't mean it's not TV. YouTube right now is TV, in my opinion. The way it's produced, the way it's, um, it's, it's presented, it's television. So if you don't main eventing Dynamite, it doesn't mean that it's a fail or it doesn't mean that you're, someone took your spot, you know? So I think that's actually going to um, work out as a favor uh, for AEW rather than something that's going to be worse. But it is interesting to see how it's going to work out. That's good. You mentioned a good thing about YouTube being TV. I mean, that's how uh, Matt Cardona, former Zack Ryder, got over back when he was in WWE in 2011. He got over on his own on YouTube. So YouTube is an excellent platform for, for any wrestler, any content creator to try and get their name and brand out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But Absolutely, and, that, and that's, I think it's only going to grow with that. I'm, I'm interested to see how it's implemented. I know WWE has Peacock, but I, I'm curious how they may implement YouTube or, or whatnot. Even Impact and Ring of Honor, I'm surprised they haven't jumped on it yet. It is shocking, yeah. I mean, I, I'll say first and foremost, Peacock sucks. <laughs> it's, it's not like the network anymore, the streaming issues they have and everything. But um, Content, just content alone. Yeah, content alone. They, I mean, and... There's a whole bunch of avenues that I mean, even the uh, the the Sammy Guevara blog and the and the being the elite YouTube st uh, stuff that the that the elite do. It's more extension of the storylines and what's going on. Uh, it's just more content. I know WWE do stuff too with like up up down down Xavier Woods stuff and the the bump Kayla Braxton show that she has. It's just more extension and more content for the guys and girls to get over. 
Um, but there are other things that have changed, and I noticed it when I saw you over at the Invictus Pro Wrestling Show back in June. Um, you're 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 working heel these days on the indies. How how did that come about? Something like that. Something like that. Uh, you know what it is. Sometimes you just kind of you just kind of kind of change things up a little bit. That's the easiest way to put it. Which I like. I yeah. like this. I like yeah. this side of you. I do too. I do too. It's fun. It's fun. It's different. You know, uh, part of me being a babyface for so long was that it, it worked. You know, what I'm saying it was in an era where it is so hard to be over as an actual babyface. I'm talking about not to pat myself on the back, but I'm talking about a wrestler that looks good, that is cool, that is genuinely nice. And can get the fans behind them. That is very, very hard to have a real-life baby face. Pro wrestling in 2021. And honestly, since my career started. So a lot of companies, they just said, there's no way we can turn. It's kind of, it was almost the scene of the Indies. Where it was just like, we can't turn you heel. Because we need you to be a baby face. We need you to be a top baby face. We have no one else to kind of fill this void. Um, and again, I take it as a compliment. But it definitely put me in a situation where, you know, I was a babyface for, for most of my career. You know, I did work stints and beyond in Chikara where I was, where I was healed, but I was kind of in a group. So I wasn't able to kind of be the top heel. Um, but now as a, as a heel and as a singles heel, even though I am in a stable in some companies, I'm presented as the singles heel, not the tag team guy or the trio guy. I'm the singles guy in the group. That's the heel. Um, so I'm able to kind of really test my creativity and kind of try new things out. And to be honest with you, the work rate is a lot easier. Yeah, it's me. <laughs> But, uh, but it's fun. It's fun, especially when you see people in the crowd that you know and you know on a personal level and you kind of have to be a dick to them. That's so much more fun. Well, that, your, um, your manager, I'm forgetting, uh, or your uh, consultant, whatever he called him, I'm forgetting his name right now, and I apologize. But when we were at – what's that? Jared Silverclight. Jared Silverclight. Okay. Um, even when you were clearly working the bad guy side of things in, the, in that title match you had for Invictus Pro Wrestling – you know, myself, my girlfriend, my sister, we all went to the show together and, you know, we were cheering for you and he's like, ah, no, no, he, it's okay. He don't need your cheers. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, so I, but it was fun and it was cool to see that. Um, you know, uh, I'm guessing it's, it's a lot of fun being heel. And the other thing you mentioned being a stable, I know you're a uh, stable, uh, the unit, if I'm getting that correctly from, uh, over in chaos. Pro wrestling? Yeah, chaotic wrestling. Chaotic, uh, the good thing okay. about So this is a JT Dunn uh, brainchild, the unit. He took a lot of guys um, that he has personal relationships with, that he's very close with, and we're kind of taking this whole idea of like, look, we should have been there already, and because we're not, we're going to do things our way type of thing, um, and we're going to do it on our own behalf, which is it's fun because it's you're, basically you're, it's, it's four guys, five guys that are really just kind of good friends, that are just taking companies over by storm. And, and JT has used his his network to kind of let the stable expand a little bit, which is fun because, you know, instead of it just being, it started in Chaotic, but it's starting to trickle out in other indies, which is cool as well because nothing's better than being in the stable that's over that gets booked as a group because now you, everyone's just getting more work, which is what we, you know, that's what we need at the end of the day is we got to work to get paid and to, to build our brand and all that good stuff. So that alone is good. And, and it's fun because when you're on a marketing side, and you're, you're trying to build yourself up as a, as a brand, like I said, nothing is easier than when you have a team behind you to do it. You know, like JT, whoever runs the unit, you know, social media account, if I have a big match that's just me, it gets tagged. 
if JT has a singles match, it gets tagged. If there's a tag match between some of us, it gets tagged. So it's constant promotion on other levels other than just you doing it. So it, it's just, it's fun. It's fun. And nothing is better than being in a stable with people, like I said, that you're friends with, you have a relationship with, because everything you do is genuine. Everything you do is you don't have to worry about, oh, man, will he be upset if I try this? It's like, hey, I'm going to say this. If you don't like it, sucks. You know, you just kind of you just kind of try stuff. And believe it or not, actually, you mentioned Jared. I'm in a stable with him, too, in Northeast Wrestling, which is the trust fund. So I'm enjoying the whole heel stable shit right now. It's definitely different. It's been fun. And I'm excited to see where it goes towards the end of the year. That's good, man. You got, I mean, you got a lot of work on on your hands. Um, who's I know um, J, you, JT, and uh, AC Romero are in the unit. Who, uh, who are the other guys that I'm missing right now? Uh, Danny Miles, which is uh, a very underrated New England talent. He's been around for a long time. Um, but, again, he's someone that really hasn't been given the spotlight that he deserves. Um, and then the other guy is Trigger the OG, who's been around for a long time. And he's just a veteran. He's He's a vet's vet. He's been around the New England circuit for a long time, like I said, with Danny. Um, and he just has a unique style. He really does. You know, he looks a certain way, and people may say, oh, he doesn't really look like a wrestler. But he goes out there, and he could do things that people wish they could do. He knows how to work. He knows how to work a mic. He knows how to get heat. He's just, he's, he's a veteran's veteran. And what I mean when I say that he doesn't look like a wrestler, that's just a common criticism someone may give him. Everyone can look like a wrestler these days. Just because you don't have muscles or you're eight feet tall doesn't mean you're not a wrestler. But these are the criticisms, guys, we all get. So it's one of those things where, you know, you see him, you may have one uh, perception, and then you see him working like, damn, he's better than better than good. And in Jared's Trust Fund, who else is joining you over that faction? We have the Amazing Graysons and Channing Tatum. So it's, it's very, the thing I like about um, the Trust Fund days is you have the established guy who's me, you have the up and coming in Channing Tatum, uh, not Tatum. Ch- uh, I call him Channing Tatum, like the actor. Oh my god, uh, Channing Thomas. And, uh, <laughs> Easy and, mistake. Uh, it's all good. And, uh, they got, and the amazing Graysons with the, the the tag team. So we just have again just a lot of different roles that are being filled, and we're being profiled in, in a really good way, which is which is great. How long have these um, these formations, this partnership, and these factions have been going on for? So the trust fund actually just started. The first show that I worked with the trust fund was the show you were at. I had turned. So we did it. We did the heel turn on the the streaming thing. When, when NEW wasn't doing live shows, we were doing studio tapings. Um, We said, okay, in order for us to get something big here, let's turn you heel on a taping. So people hopefully view in on it. It worked. I mean, the streams were good, but I hated that. I didn't get a chance to turn in front of the crowd. The crowd would have lost their shit. I was such an over baby face there. They would have lost their crap if I did that. Um, but it worked in the long run. Um, the term worked out. So I guess we've been doing that technically since March, but I guess for a live crowd since about June. Okay. And over so at... Oh, so go ahead. It's, yeah, it's still fresh, which is good. It's still new. It hasn't gotten old yet. It, we, haven't even, we haven't even scraped the tip of the iceberg with what we can do. And the unit, I just turned uh, in... July. Wow. I mean, you. So I'm ready. I, my first show back with Chaotic is Friday since I turned. So I'm expecting it to be a nice, wild, uh, wild ride. Expecting to get some shit thrown at you? I, that's the way I'd look. The best thing about Chaotic is that's been one of my home companies for like the last five years. So the fan base has fallen in love with me and I broke their heart. And that to me is what wrestling is about. These, if, you, if the fans are invested, the rest is easy. If they are not invested, it doesn't matter how many moves you do, it will mean nothing. So this turn to me, I was so excited for because I knew 
that their hearts would be broken. If their hearts are broken, my job is easier. My storylines are easier. I'm going to have a better match. It's just, it's just easy. That's good. Uh, I mean, the few times we talked, you haven't had a whole lot of opportunities to work heel in the position that you're in now, correct? Um, I would say the last time that I worked steady heel was, um, are you familiar with Chikara Pro Wrestling? Yes. So when Chikara was up and running, um, I worked ever since I debuted with them, which would be 2015. I was in a heel tag team stable with myself, Rex Lawless, and Hornswoggle. And, <laughs> really? Uh, we were, wow. Yes, we were close. We were called Team Big Deal. We were basically his bodyguards. Two big guys that were his bodyguards. He was like the boss. So it's like a little mob, little trio type thing. Oh, my and God. Then we, I love that. Yeah, That's awesome. It was great. It's such a great time. Unfortunately, it didn't last as long as we wanted it to be because Swaggle had a pretty uh, busy schedule and the dates just didn't line up. So it ended up going from Swaggle to a wrestler by the name. I don't think he wrestles anymore, but Juan Francisco Coronado. He did, he did like some NXT dark um, some uh, matches with them. Um, and he was a longtime Chikara guy, really good technical worker. Um, we ended up being his bodyguard. And then the other heel thing I did was um, in Beyond Wrestling, uh, we did an action, which was called the Amityville Project, which was myself, Rex, again, um, Ryan Galeone, and uh, Dan Barry. We were just four guys from New York that came to mess shit up. And, again, kind of short-lived. The only reason why is because the stable was formed to face Team Pazuzu, which was which was Santana Ortiz, uh, Chris Dickinson, and Jocko. Who doesn't, I don't think he wrestles anymore. Um, they were the top babyface stable. We were the top heel stable, so we built to a finale. Finale happened, and then that was the end of the stable, unfortunately. So it was kind of like a uh, short-term booking thing, which would lead us all to different things. Um, but we unfortunately weren't able to kind of get the most out of it. But that was really it. So I didn't really have a chance to really sink my teeth into a creative stable that wasn't A, given to me, or B, written for me. So Chikara, the, the team big deal and the closers, that was all written verbatim. Mike Quackenbush is a brilliant writer. He would literally write these storylines to a point where every detail, the devil was in the details, he would say. And uh, all the details that he wanted, we would do. With, with Beyond, it was more of like the matches matter more than the stories. So we couldn't really get over as a, team, as a, as a creative side because it was more about the matches. So now it's now we got the mix of both. We got the matches and we have the uh, and we have the creative input. So I'm excited for that. That's awesome, man. Glad you're having fun. Glad you're enjoying this. Be doing some work you can really sink your teeth into. Um, last little bit before you go. Uh, how is um, act on the acting front? I know you were doing. You've been busy with that. I uh, saw you in a commercial a little while ago. How's all the gigs there? There you go. Yeah, these are the. You know that's that's the interesting thing. In the beginning of this conversation, I talked about having the creativity to kind of do. Um, whatever I want, and I'm, again, very happy that I am. Uh, when wrestling was booming, I mean, when wrestling was quiet because of the pandemic, and mind you, you never know. that Wrestling can stop tomorrow again because of the pandemic. You know, if there's a rule that comes out about crowds, you know, people are not going to... Wrestling cannot exist without the fans. It just no. cannot. So if so it happens different. again, you know, it's just not going to happen. So if there's another pause or another halt with, the, with crowds, you know, Hollywood is the only thing that can really thrive me. So when that was happening... You know, I was able to book commercials um, when there was nothing going on. So I got lucky with that. And the more that back my career with that was able to progress, obviously I'm able to get more gigs. So I was worked uh, the Magic Spoon commercial, which everyone's seeing right now, which is a protein cereal. And the one that was most recently released um, is with Joel McHale, and it stars myself and Anthony Bowens in Lucha Mats, and it's for Monkey Shoulder Whiskey. 
Um, if you look it up, it should probably on YouTube already. I'm not sure if it's on TV just yet, but they did release it on YouTube just for the sake of uh, promoting the, the actual product. Um, but we were wrestlers. We were two luchadors, and we Joel McHale was the host for First Dates, and he was bringing people to wrestling matches. So me and Bowens were in there wrestling, uh, which was really fun because it was easy. It wasn't acting. Um, and we did that. And, you know, literally as we speak, once I leave the gym, I got about four auditions for a movie and a couple of TV shows lined up. So I got to eventually get those done. So I would say things are busy. That's a good thing. Things are busy. And, and right now, September to about March is the busiest for movies and TV. So I'm looking forward to keep myself um, occupied. That's good, man. Yeah, I saw the, uh, you posted something on Instagram or Twitter a little while back with you, Bowen. I'm like... And I knew Joel McHale was. I'm like, I've seen a bunch of shit. He was in the Ted movie. He was in, uh, like, I was community. watching. Yeah, Community. Uh, he was, I even forgot, he was in the second Spider-Man movie. I was watching that a little while ago. Uh, he was. Any, he was I remember him. I don't know if you remember The Soup. I think it was on MTV back in the day or VH1. One yeah. of those TVs, Soup, that talk show. That's where I really remembered him. Yeah, I've seen him some stuff here and there, but the fact that I'm like, I know I was familiar with him. Like that's that's pretty cool. And I caught the commercial. That was must it must must have been just again right up your alley. When you're doing projects that involve like acting projects that involve wrestling, it's like oh, I don't even really need to prepare. <laughs> Especially I know you have a relationship with with Bowen, so it must like you said, really really easy. Just go in and doing you yeah. doing your thing. Yeah, my boy, you know we're buddies for a long time. So it was it's funny because we're actually represented by the same agency. So we always laugh because it's like. He's black, I'm white. So if the role is for a black guy, he's going to get it. If the role is for a white guy, I'm going to get it. We're just the same type. So we laugh because we're like, damn, they need a black guy and a white guy. We did it. <laughs> so we, got, we got lucky with that because when, in, in acting, it's all about type. It, it doesn't matter what you're – I mean, obviously, you've got to be talented. But if the role says, I need this person to look like this, it has nothing to do with discrimination or anything. You just have to look like the character. So it worked out for us. When we, we both got it, we laughed. Like, yo, finally, we're not competing against each other, which is a cool thing. That's great, man. That's great. Fucking awesome. All right, man. Uh, I know we got impressed a little bit for time this time around, but uh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, again, glad you're doing doing well. Glad you are feeling great. Uh, glad to you know see you on a stage like in the Prudential Center against a guy like Orange Cassidy is just fucking cool. Happy for all the success you've been having going on right now, man. Uh, plug away anything you any projects you have coming up. Your social medias for those who may who may not be familiar with you this time around. Go ahead, my friend. Up, CJ. As always, thank you for having me on again. Like I said, I genuinely always enjoy coming on. The conversations are easy, they're fun, and we'll do it again. I'm sure. So. Third time is not the end. We'll hmm. definitely do it again. Um, but so, yeah, thank you for having me. But if for anyone listening, uh, if you want to keep following my career and seeing the stuff I do, and hopefully not ending up in the hospital anymore, uh, it's <laughs> Man of Steel MV. <laughs> That's my handle on all the accounts. Um, you know, my schedule is usually out there for wrestling. Any kind of gigs that I have lined up, whether it be a movie or commercial, I usually advertise it when they let me. So anything that I'm involved in, you'll be able to catch out there. And really, at the end of the day, just keep supporting wrestling. Keep supporting wrestling podcast because i kid you not without people talking about wrestling and keeping the conversation going about wrestling wrestling could get stale you know it is what it is you got to keep people talking you got to keep people involved and that's what podcasters podcasters have been doing in this new era of uh you know uh, social media and uh and media that you can kind of uh so that's so accessible um so thank you guys for doing that thank you cj and just keep supporting wrestling man. that's it at the end of the day that's what we all love right so just keep following that
Thank you so much, Mike. We appreciate your time. Tune in for the next few minutes of the episode. I'll be giving my review of AEW Dynamite and all the big news stories that have been going on this week. Welcome to the other half of the podcast. What a great conversation with our with our good friend Mike Verna, the Man of Steel, Mike Verna. That that guy really is the Man of Steel because for him to go through what he went through the past few days and still make it to AEW Dynamite to to work to work a match. I mean, probably did not go in his favor, but I but man, I'm just happy he's okay. It's, it's great that he's doing well. And, Mike, I'm glad you're doing all right, my friend. Great to have you on. Great to catch up. But let's get into the rest of the big stuff that's going on in wrestling this week. So where do we begin here, people? Good God, where the hell do we begin? Because, man, like, a lot of shit has happened this week. So much stuff has happened this week. So um, I'll get this out of the way real quickly. Um... Biggie is the WWE champion. Um, I'm I'm so happy, man. Uh, I I am so happy, Biggie. Um, I had him pegged to. Uh, <clears throat> I had him pegged to win the Money in the Bank ladder match. When anybody could have won that match, I uh, I kind of was pegging him to be the one to beat Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. Um, I guess maybe that could be Keith Lee coming over to SmackDown or Drew McIntyre. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, just Big E came to Raw. He said he was going to do, and the whole show was just built around him winning the title. I mean, and it genuinely created a great moment. I mean, we talked – again, I mentioned it briefly with Mike earlier, but, but yeah, man, it's it's just fucking cool. It's, it's great to see that, you know – one thing I really don't want to see from New Day is I don't want to see them any of them turn heel on each other. Really, we can have friends in wrestling. It's okay. Um, I, I really, really just want to see them be able to succeed and more with like as singles guys and you can have all of them just be happy for each other. You know, they were happy when Kofi won. They're happy that Big E won. So, uh, I'm just, I'm just over the moon for Big E. So, so fucking happy for him, man. It's really cool. He deserves it. He, he really, really does. And I'm glad they've given this big push. Anyway, so going on to whatever else, uh, the other things that happened in the world of pro wrestling today. Um, I mean, I didn't, I'll briefly touch over the NXT 2.0. I didn't really get a chance to watch it. Um, I mean, it was okay, from what I understand. Um, I just, um, I'm just not into this whole new thing with... uh, uh, it's not gonna. It's not working well, and uh, <laughs> I might as well mention this because I just saw it. WWE have announced that on October twenty-first, Roman Reigns will be defending the Universal Championship against Brock Lesnar in Saudi Arabia, Crown Jewel. 
October 21st, which is a Thursday. Oh, Christ almighty. This is why I didn't... <laughs> this... This is... Oh, my God. I hate these fucking shows so much. I hate them so much. Um, I mean, we thought maybe we're going to get this for a Survivor Series. Nope. Saudi Arabia. Man, are they... Are they could they put the title on Brock? They could. They've done it before. Well, let's see. Anyway... Skipping over to that, um, the the new NXT is um, it's okay. Uh, I've seen a few things. I saw a few things here and there. Um, I was just yeah. I just I don't know, man. It's it's a work in progress. You know, the wedding stuff was funny. Um, it was uh, it's okay. I mean, they took. They took out Kyler Riley for Von Wagner. I know who the fuck is that. Um, you know, it, it's 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 strange to see. I mean, it's nice that they're they're focusing on the you know younger talent and everything, but I feel like it's going to come at the expense of all these people who've been there for so long. Um, just overall, NXT is. I'm happy Tommaso Ciampa is the champion again. Don't get me wrong. I love me some Tommaso Ciampa, one of my favorites from NXT. Um, I am just not so sure uh, how much longer he'll he'll hold on to the title. Um, it's 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 up there, but I'm happy for it. Could we have seen like some kind of long term built story for Champa to get Goldie back? Yeah, we could have, but it's still nice. It's still nice. Anyway, so uh, next, most of the show for the rest of the podcast is just going to be AEW. Um, strap in for this for a little while. Um, yeah, I'm. I was there uh, for, uh, Wednesday night for AEW. I will go over some of my favorite parts of the show, the highlights and everything. Um, CM Punk kicking off kicking off Dynamite, joining the commentary team, jumping into the crowd was a great way for them to pick up, pick up the show. Yeah, kick off the show. And uh, Adam Cole versus Frankie Kazarian was awesome. It was great. You know, he issued a challenge to... Lucha, Dra- uh, Lucha Dragons, to Luchasaurus, Christian Cage, and uh, Jungle Boy... In a uh, six-man tag match against him and the Young Bucks, the Super Click being back at Rampage, uh, we're gonna get into everything going on with the the ne- the New York show happening next week for Dynamite and uh, and Rampage. Um, we uh, I saw the Rampage taping, so I'm not gonna give any spoilers that happened for those of you who want to watch Rampage uh, tonight as this episode is released. Um, one of the biggest, I, I will say, Adam Cole looked awesome in his debut against Frankie Kazarian. Uh, we, I, I think we kind of can take Frankie Kazarian for granted sometimes because of how good of a wrestler he is. Uh, he made Adam Cole look great. Uh, there was no way Frankie was going to be the babyface in this situation. Cole is just on fire, man. He His ring gear looks awesome. He's still using the last shot and the Panama Sunrise. Uh, he hit the Panama Sunrise to Frankie, then ending it with the last shot. Gets on the microphone, challenges Luchasaurus and Chris, uh, Christian Cage and Nickel Boy to a match for Rampage with a, it was him versus the, uh, them versus Super Click, the Young Bucks and Adam Cole. Um, Cole looked great here, man. Uh, he was one of my favorite parts of the show, and I'm just so glad. I was say, uh, Sean went with uh, went with me, one of our friend, uh, well, my forever my co-host on this podcast. Um, he um, 
he went with it was us and then our buddy George. We went to this AEW show. That this is the tickets that we've had. We, like we were the original ticket holders from the crowd that was supposed to get this show from for Blood and Guts. And the entire time, Sean's like, "All right, they've got about an hour till Blood and Guts." I'm like, "Shut up, Sean. We're not getting Blood and Guts." Um, loved Adam Cole's uh, entrance and his theme song is so catchy. Uh, Adam Cole for the win. Uh, Fuego dos Soul. He challenged Miro for the TNT title. Uh, and Fuego said he put his new Hyundai, his new car on the line, which is stupid. Fuego's an idiot. Uh, before the show started, Tony Khan came out and told us like what the Rampage card was going to be and what uh, Fuego was gonna. It was what. Well, he said that um, Miro was gonna. Be, he said there's gonna be a TNT title match. We just didn't know when. When we saw Fuego do that, we're like, okay, all right. Um, so at MJF had this promo, and I swear, man. I did not know. I could barely understand half the shit he was saying because the crowd was booing him so much that I could barely hear him. Like, I loved being a part of this show, being a part of this crowd, because New York, New Jersey areas are fantastic, especially the Jersey crowds. Jersey crowds do not fucking hold back. Loved every second of it. You know, there were some points where, you know, there was a shut the fuck up chant trying to go on, and MJF did his best to, to drown out the noise. Uh, also saying that, you know, um, he said, you know, if I may, I'd like to talk to the late, great Brian Pillman. He looks up and he says, Mr. Pillman said, ah, oh, who the hell am I kidding? Who am I kidding? Hey, Pillman, you jackass. And he's talking down to the floor. Just after a while, like, Pillman Jr. just comes out and could not take any more. He tried to hit MJF with a steel chair and, war- and war- uh, Wardlow, but, you know, um... Wardlow stops him, and he tries to hit Wardlow with the steel chair and they get out of the way. So, Pillman Jr. versus uh, MJF is going to be happening next week on Dynamite. Um, Christian Cage uh, accepted the challenge to uh, the Super Click, saying that the uh, he's used to losing Wednesday Night Wars and better get ready for losing Friday Night Wars as he and Jurassic Rex accept the challenge. Um, I'm like, ooh, that was a <laughs> sick burn, dude. Um... FTR beat Matt Seidel and Dante Martin. I didn't I didn't get to see too much of this match, uh, but from what I saw, it was really, really good. Dante Martin and Matt Seidel had great chemistry together, even though they're already both in tag teams. Um, you know, but, uh, but you know, one one guy's injured, and then I don't think they're using Matt, uh, Mike Seidel for anything anyway. FTR looked good, hitting the big rig for the win. Lance Archer and Minoru Suzuki issued a challenge to John Moxley and Eddie Kingston for AEW Grand Slam. I like this a lot. Both these guys, Suzuki Goon, obviously uh, get real big tag match for the show. Uh, next, Malachi Black had a. Uh, he was out for a promo and he said, "I'd like for those of you, the ho- members of the House of Black, raise your hand." Uh, makes uh, and you know we cheered and I love that, uh, Malachi Black. And Rosario Dawson was in the crowd with a. Uh, nightmare uh, American Nightmare jacket with her name on it, and I'm like, I go to my buddy, hey George, it's a Sokotano, and I and there was a there were a lot of people crowding one section of the arena where a staircase was, and I'm thinking to myself, are Moxley and Eddie Kingston gonna come out soon? Because Moxley and Kingston come out to the crowd all the time, um, but no, it was Cody Rhodes, and immediately I'm just like. Oh boy, uh, I'm afraid for Co. I'm afraid for Malachi. I'm afraid for Malachi Black. I really hope Cody Rhodes doesn't beat him. I I am. I like Cody Rhodes. I'm a fan of Cody Rhodes. I think he does great work. 
Um, I just really hope he doesn't beat Malachi Black. I really, really hope he doesn't. If, if it's leading to a heel turn, which Cody has said he doesn't have, he doesn't have any interest in turning heel. He wants to stay a babyface. Um, then yeah, it was a fun little brawl up on the st- on the stairs. It was cool. Malachi Black threw grabbed the fans' beer and threw it on Cody, and then Cody threw a, another fans' beer on Malachi Black. That w- that was fun. Um, and then Dan Lambert came out. Similar thing with his promo. The crowd was booing so much I could barely hear him. But we got a surprise from Chris Jericho and Jake Hager, and you know we start singing Judas and Lambert says you know to ch- to turn it off and nobody knows Judas's lyrics. And then right as we were hitting the chorus, Embraced by the darkness, by losing the light, Encircle my demons, I find, What have I become? And, you know, the, you know, the rest. Uh, it was just the rest. The, the crowd was just singing Judas. You were just taking it all in. Uh, it was a really, really fun moment. You know, Jericho said that he's not afraid of an American top team, and he's and he's had shoot fights backstage with beasts and bigger muscle heads and lived to talk about it, referencing to Brock Lesnar and Bill Goldberg. Uh, Jericho offered to come down to the ring and knock their teeth in. Dan Lambert stops them, says if they want to fight, it won't be in a shithole like New Jersey. <sighs> Oof, Dan. Jericho said, you know, they're going to... They're going to be pussies then, and they'll face Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky next week. Uh, that was announced for Rampage. Like, this whole show, man, it's tempting me to go. I really shouldn't, but it's tempting me to go. Uh, Jade Cargill uh, beat Layla Hirsch. Um, you know, it, it's just, oh, man, it's just, it was such a, this was such a fun moment-setting show. It was From a promo aspect of a show, it was really, really well done set up for next week. Um, you know, uh Team Taz attacks CM Punk and Powerhouse Hob choke slams him through the table. That that's ending CM Punk's night of commentary. Um, Andrade Elidolo said that he never gave Travel the order to interfere in his match and had to kick Travel off the curve, not respecting the Kingpin. Andrade says that he can defeat Pac or anyone else. I love that he's calling himself the Kingpin. That's fucking awesome. Props, Andrade. I love that so much. Um, we had Darby Allen versus Sean Spears in a really fun match. And honestly, if it's between that and the Adam Cole match was probably a match of the night. Um, the, the match wasn't the matches weren't like amazing pay per view quality matches, but they were fun TV matches, when, and that's all we really need. Uh, Darby beat Sean Spears uh, with a coffin drop, and after the match, uh, FTR attacked Darby Allen and Sting. Uh, you know, Sean Spears at one point wiped off Darby's makeup, and then FTR wiped off Darby uh, Sting's makeup, and. They said, I'm like, I was watching that. I'm like, oh, this is so much. This is so fucking cool. But at the same time, you got to think of like Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler. They're standing across the ring from Sting. These guys were WC, diehard WCW fans. They love the Four Horsemen, you know, Tully, Arn, uh, Rick, fucking. Ollie Anderson, almost forgot for a fucking second. Uh, you know, these guys must be like over the moon that they get to be in the ring with Sting and they were the heels. It, they must have been having a great time. And now that sets up FTR versus uh, Sting and Darby Allen. And earlier this year, uh, well, not earlier this year, but sometime last year, uh, Darby Allen was doing an interview with Louis Dangor of Wrestle Talk and. He said that, you know, this partnership he has with Sting, and he's like, look, look, I just, anything to get me in the ring with FTR. So Darby wants this match, and this is going to be a fun, fun match. Uh, you know, th- th- this is pay-per-view quality, guys. This is pay-per-view fucking quality, 
And then we got the biggest announcement, the biggest bombshell of the night. So Tony Schiavone's in the ring, and he calls out and brings out Brian Danielson to where, you know, Brian says he wants to face Kenny Omega. And, you know, Don Callis and Kenny Omega come out, and they're being all cocky heels. And, you know, I Don's like, you know, ah, you, you think fool these people. You know, for a guy coming in from the former company, just demanding a title shot, and, and people say, I'm a piece of shit. And Brian just kept calling Don a piece of shit. He kept, uh, I mean, it was strange to see Brian Danielson, the former Daniel Bryan, you know, be the nice guy on TV. Now he's just being a total asshole and a total badass. Um, but Brian, he's just said, like, look, this doesn't have to be about the championship. One day it might, but for now, let's just simply see who is the best. He, Brian says he wants to face the best bout machine, the best bout machine, the god of professional wrestling, but he's only seeing a guy who lost his balls. And Kenny accepts the match. And you want the best bout machine? You got him. And they fucking made the match for next week. Like this is the these are this is like the biggest stack show I've seen in so long for AEW. It's pay per view quality. And then the 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 the, the main event was John Moxley and Eddie Kingston versus Two Point After the match, Minoru Suzuki and Lance Archer came out. They fought towards the end of the sh- uh, to the end of the broadcast. Uh, this probably did not make the uh, this definitely did not make the. Uh, the uh, the broadcast, but Lance Archer did say that you know the Moxley that that Renee is going to be raising that baby girl on her own. They're trying to mess with them. So real quickly, let's just go into the uh, the car that's going to be happening for next week. We have we have MJF versus Brian Pillman Jr., Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black, FTR and versus Sting and Darby Allen. Moxley and Kingston versus Archer and Suzuki. Britt Baker versus Ruby Soho for the women's world title. And Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson, an exhibition match. Then for Rampage, which they will be filming after the after uh, Dynamite, it's going to be two hours. And it's going to be Chris Jericho and Jake Hager versus Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. The Super Click of Adam Cole and the Young Bucks versus Christian Cage and the Jurassic Express. Versus CM Punk and Powerhouse Hobbs. CM Punk's first televised match in two in, in, in fucking seven years, and it's because Powerhouse Hobbs. I I love that he, that Punk is working with the younger guys right away. I love it so much. Uh, fuck yeah, man! This is gonna be a stacked show. I Sean randomly has off Wednesday, and I really wanted to go to this New York show. But I'm probably not gonna be gonna be able to. You know, it's amazing how they've set this up. It's like they just had All Out, which is their best pay per view of all time, their best pay per view ever, and they're not slowing down. They're like, nope, nope, we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. We're gonna give you what you fucking want, and it's gonna be crazy. And it is gonna be crazy. I can't wait for Omega versus Danielson. Like this is gonna be an amazing fucking match. This is a, this is a match that if you told me. Earlier this year, if someone came up to me and said, hey, we're going to get Brian Danielson, not Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega in New York this uh, at the end of September, I would have been like, are you fucking high? There's no way we're getting that. 
So anyway, real quickly, th- th- this this show is fucking stacked, man, and I I can't wait to watch it. I can't wait to see it. Uh, it's gonna be so much fun. Real quickly though, I do want to give a little bit of uh, talk about some things here. More wrestlers' contracts appear to be um, ending soon, and everyone's just like, "Oh, AEW confirm, AEW confirm." Because there's been a few. Like I, I don't know if I talked about it last time, but Kevin Owens' contract apparently is going to be up in January of 2022. I believe I might have talked about it last week. Um, just just saying that, that they need to keep Owens WWE for their sake. Sami Zayn's contract is ending soon. Pete Dunne just re-signed a contract for three years, which was personally offered to by Triple H. Uh, and now Johnny Gargano's contract appears to be ending at the end of this year. And Candice LeRae's contract reportedly... Um, it doesn't end at the same time as her husband's. Uh, her current deal with WWE is set to end sometime in 2022, and display the and the dis- partly between her and Johnny Gargano's contract a- uh, end dates reportedly has nothing to do with her pregnancy, as they announced their first child, which they actually just announced um, they are going to have a baby boy. So congratulations to uh, Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae, Mr. and Mrs. Wrestling. Um, man, if that kid wants to wrestle, holy shit. You could have picked two better parents to be wrestlers. So... Um, you know, Gargano's contract is going to be ending soon. Candice Ray's contract is going to be ending soon. And I was saying to Sean just the other night, I'm like, could you imagine if they got Candice Ray in AEW? Could you fucking imagine? I'm, I'm thinking about this. I'm like, out of all the people from WWE, I would love to see go to AEW. I would love to see Johnny Gargano go because I am fearful of his future in the on the main roster and in NXT going forward. Uh... I would love to see Candice LeRae get in there because we've seen her wrestle just about everybody in the women's division in NXT. Um, I would love for her to have main roster matches, but I'm afraid for her to have main roster matches because of how she'll be booked. Um, but I am—I would love to see Candice LeRae in the women's division. Candice LeRae versus Ruby Soho, Britt Baker, Thunder Rosa, uh, you know, Hikaru Shida. You know, Anna Jay, Ty Conti, the Candice LeRae would bring so much out of these girls. You know, she's one of the best women's wrestlers. Just one of the best wrestlers in the world, period. She's fucking amazing. I love Candice LeRae. I love Johnny Gargano. I've made no secret that I'm big uh, fans of theirs. I just um, I just think it'd be great addition to their roster. Um, overall, man, this is this is a crazy week that happened in pro wrestling. It was a fun time. It was a fun show. Um, I'm going to wrap it up here, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Uh, please be sure to be following us on Instagram at the Not Another Wrestling Podcast, on Twitter at TNAWP. Um, please be sure to be following Mike Verna, my guest who's on this podcast, uh, on all his social medias. Once again, uh, at Man of Steel MV on all of his social medias. Uh, uh, reach out to him. Uh, you know, tell him you love pro wrestling. Go see an indie show he's in. Uh, you go to his pro wrestling tea store. Just type in Mike Verna, the Man of Steel. Uh, you know, it, it, it'll show up. Um, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Be sure to be listening to us on your favorite podcast app, uh, Spotify, app, um, Apple Podcasts, uh, and no, no longer on Anchor, uh, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, Amazon, wherever you get your fine podcast apps from. Um, please be sure to be following me on Twitter at CJ underscore 1214 and uh, on Instagram at CJ underscore 1293. Thank, uh, <laughs> thank you guys all so much for listening to this episode of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. I have been CJ Palmasano, and I'll see you all next time.